Previously on Algoa FM Breakfast. All right. We've been chatting about the popular Netflix documentary. A lot of debate around the docky um, and a bit of interest as well. But what's been most concerning are the comments that women should have known better. This morning we're chatting to a psychiatrist, Professor Renata Skuman. She's psychiatrist and head of healthcare leadership at the University of Stellenbosch. And we're going to be chatting to her a little bit about uh, the psychopathic characteristics and the exploitative tactics used by Simon Lviv in that documentary, uh, The Tinder Swindler, to identify vulnerable targets. And also we're going to be chatting to her about how one can safeguard themselves. Prof Skuman, good morning and thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Prof, there's a sentiment, you know, which is meant to encourage empathy for ourselves and others. And it goes along the lines of instead of asking what's wrong with me or what's wrong with Simon in this case, to rather ask what happened to me or what happened to Simon. And with that in mind, I'm really curious about what kind of trauma or triggering someone like Simon could have experienced in order to develop this kind of uh, psychopathy. I mean, in short, what makes a psychopath? So there's a few things that's contributing. Um, there is a small genetic contribution, but we know that if we look in the development of psychopathy, it has more to do also with nurturing. So early childhood attachments, early feedback, and then also repercussions in childhood. You know, if you learn that you can get away with certain things, but there's not one thing that makes a psychopath. It's a pattern of things that all then collaborate for this personality trait to develop into adulthood. And usually roughly by the age of 15, we can see that someone has traits of psychopathy. Prof, the psychopath basically uses platforms like social media to, to do their phishing. What other red flags potential victims should look out for? I think there's many, many ways that we deal with psychopathy. I think it's more difficult when it's in the online environment because we often do not have context for the person or the person's life and we also don't have collateral information or input from the person's friends, which they most likely don't have many of, um, family members, etc. So I think the few red flags that you can look out for is the firstly, if something is to, seems to be good to be true, it most likely is too good to be true. And then also if you have a gut feeling that all is not adding up, really, really be careful. It's also important to, to look for other things. If you see someone that really flaunts their achievements and the materialistic um, achievements and goals, then, then just look out a bit more carefully, especially if you meet someone the first time. Where often when we meet someone and when you're interested in building a relationship, you talk about values, you talk about journeys, you talk about books and friends, etc. But if someone only skim the surface and try really to impress or only talk about themselves, that's some things that you might have a little bit of a red flag if there's someone that you really want to get involved in. You won't necessarily know from the word go that this is maybe someone with psychopathy or other personality disorders because obviously you first need to see the pattern of behavior. But if there's a lot of impulsivity on the first first date as well, you know, you never go off in a jet on the first date, for example. Yeah. You know, so, so just be careful that you're not really being pulled along into this artificial world.
Prof, like you're saying, you know, con artists basically uh, they tell people what they want to hear. Uh, he, for example, Simon he created a persona that would be more than satisfy uh, for his targets, desire for romance. But a bit of a span in the we- works here. You did touch on it. Material factors is a huge contribution. He flaunts his wealth as a strategy, and he looks like uh, it looks like love is only secondary. Is, is that the case for the victims? Yeah, for, for a suburb, it's a, people are a means to an end. So there's no real attachment. So they're charismatic, they are strategically manipulating, and there's a clear modus operandi. But they first rope the victim in. And then also often they manipulate communication networks, as we can see in the documentary, how carefully also manipulated his online presence. You know, even if you go and Googling, you wouldn't have seen the truth right away. And then after the attachment forms and after you give all this positive affirmation to the ladies and, you know, really rope them in, then the demand started. Then the aggressiveness um, came to mm-hmm. the fore if they didn't fulfill these demands. You know, uh, Prof, I know that there's been obviously debate um, around the comments that the women should have known better, they're gold diggers and so on. But another popular opinion is that Simon was really just a smart businessman, which is concerning um, because, you know, along with all the, the street smarts and the business acumen is a whole strew of women who have been left behind, you know, just completely devastated and broke. And also just his lack of, you know, remorse or concern. Yeah. But for those people who are in support of Simon and who do feel that, look, he's not, in fact, a psychopath, he is a smart businessman. Where does one draw the line then in his particular case between the two? I'm very sorry, but a smart businessman per se don't willingly exploit people, mislead them, lie about it, false identities, and, you know, con people. And that's what he's done. So, uh, yeah, I would, uh, I'm disappointed that people only considering smart. Mm. Um, I think there are many smart people out there with very, very good business strategies and skills, but they don't necessarily destroy people in the process. Absolutely. So Simon's complete lack of remorse and his absolute deliberate deceit doesn't make him a small businessman. It makes him a, you know, a, a swindler character. Is yeah, is there a particular type of person though that that gets targeted? Um, by the likes of Simon and, and who gets caught up in this kind of thing because we're looking at Simon and his red flags but what type of person is Simon looking at in us? Okay, firstly, I don't think anyone is immune and I also want to comment about this gender stereotyping that's going on in the media. There's many men that's also being swindled by women. Um, Simon also didn't only swindle women. There was also other more senior people and all the people involved. So we're all vulnerable to phishing, to credit card fraud, to, you know, people that borrow 500 grand here and 200 grand there to fund these schemes. So none of us are immune. And that's my first word that I really just want to put out there that we must be careful for the gender stereotyping. The second thing, we all can fall victim. It's not necessarily that you're a love-hungry, very dependent woman. As we can see also in the documentary, some of the women were extremely successful and they weren't after a relationship. It was a matter of friendships that had been built over months before we started to um, you know, use them and exploit them. And what does make us more vulnerable is maybe if we're more isolated, 
and and again, that can be either someone that is isolated because of previous disappointments, they really want to be in a relationship, or it can be someone that's isolated because I'm working so hard at being successful myself, mm. but I don't necessarily have time for all the social interactions that other people have. So as soon as we're isolated, as soon as we do not have friends and family and colleagues that we actually discuss with, you know, especially if we are um, aware of maybe some red flags and you don't have someone that you create context for you, that might make you more vulnerable. But then online dating per se, I think is a special environment um, with, that comes with a risk. It can be very fruitful, it can be very successful, I know about many, many happy relationships that was born from online dating platforms. But in the olden days, as I said, we had context and we had collateral. You went on a blind date with someone that your family and friends know well, and you could see them in real life interaction. But in the online environment, you do not have that. So you need to create context and collateral as from the first date onwards. Prof, what I find quite interesting, though, is that this psychopathic behavior is, is you know, is not only reserved for romantic encounters. I mean, you know, we're speaking about, um, you know, the dating environment. However, um, psychopaths stalk office corridors as well. Um, and, you know, they leave lasting mental health impacts on their victims. I just wanted to chat to that a little bit, you know, about corporate psychopaths and, mm-hmm. and, and the work-related depression and anxiety disorders and so on that then come as a result? Yeah, I think we must also look at this from, like, if we talk about a psychopath or antisocial personality disorder, that is someone that's really damaging people in the process um, and there's impairment in interpersonal functioning then. But there's also many, many successful people that's also charismatic that can be bold and charm and fearless, you know, but and it helps them to get ahead in business and life. So it's difficult thing to distinguish between a true psychopath. But with a true psychopath, they really practically assess the psychological strengths and weaknesses of those around them and manipulate others. Messages can be crafted to use the feedback and they, they want to control. And then as soon as they don't find someone useful anymore, they can abandon them. So I would say the big difference is like anyone that's successful in business, we can't now say, oh, you know, be careful. Mm. Um, but because they are, you, you know, you do need charisma. You do need the ability to read the environment and people. But as soon as it is mm. to the detriment of other people, when you deliberately deceitful and manipulative, that's when you run into trouble. And we do see that in the corporate context as well, unfortunately. Professor, despite being caught out on, on the world stage, he still continues to say he's innocent, etc. He still he wants to share his side of the story. Um, and he's running business courses. And, and then also <laughs> he, he believes himself. Um, is he a pathological liar as well? He's starting to believe what he's saying. Most likely, but you know, the problem is with psychopathy and also what we see with narcissism because of the completely inflated sense of ego and self-entitlement and self-importance, it's very, very difficult for them to see. There's another Netflix series at the moment, Inventing Anna, which is also speaking to the Mm. point where they get caught up. Now, whether they are pathological liars or it's really... they, they they just believe in what they believe. It, it's difficult to say from a documentary. I mean, we can't really make a diagnosis just on the face value. You know, when we work with patients in real life, it's a long process before you would diagnose someone with something. Mm. Um, but 
Yeah, that inflated sense of self-worth. But what I find shocking and actually maybe a bit sad in this whole process, you know, Netflix, the series is so popular, the documentary is so popular, and are we actually romanticizing and idolizing this criminal type of behavior? Sure. Well, Professor, thank you so much for, for sharing. Professor Renata Skuman, head of the MBA Healthcare Leadership Program at the University of Stellenbosch Business School. Prof, thanks so much for uh, joining us on the show this morning. My pleasure. Okay, so Be safe. Bye-bye. Algoa FM Breakfast is the business.